It certainly has been wonderful to be here this morning. It certainly is wonderful to think about our Father in Heaven and to think about the great blessings that we have in Christ. May God bless you for being here today. I know we have visitors here with us. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, Don't rush out after we get done later on this morning. We'd love to talk to you some more. And if you're ever interested in a Bible study, love to study the Word of God with you. Thank you so much for being here. And for all the members, may God bless each each and every one of you as well. Well, brothers and sisters, it is something that is acceptable, and it is something that is unacceptable. It is something that we can control, and it's something sometimes that we lose control. It's something that can bring about change for the better. Sometimes it can bring about change for the worse. And I'm talking about anger. This morning, I want to consider dealing with anger. Our sermon is going to be called Dealing with Anger anger. And I often think about, do we really need sermons pertaining to anger? You know, you think sometimes maybe young children, they they struggle with anger and siblings and things like that. They can struggle with anger, but do we really need to hear an entire lesson about anger? Well, this is actually a request on our survey for this year, for 2019. And we have done other lessons uh, based off of some of the suggestions off of the survey, like authority, grace, modesty, gossip, pride, and evidences, and now we're going to talk a little bit about anger. When you really think about it, anger can be a big problem for all of us. I'm sure I've mentioned this in the pulpit. I grew up and I had a temper. I was just angry at everybody and everything. Uh, And we can struggle sometimes with anger. Anger is something that we need to acknowledge, that we need to recognize, and as we will see in the Word of God, it is something that we have to control. I could do this entire lesson. You could teach an entire class from the book of Proverbs with respect to anger. And what we're going to do, we're not going to look at, we're going to look at a few verses in Proverbs, but I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. Our brother Wade is teaching us on Wednesday nights in the book of Ephesians, and we're going through the book of Ephesians, and Paul reminded the saints in Ephesians, he reminded them about the great blessings that they had in Christ. Chapter 1, chapter 2, about how they had been dead in their trespasses and sins, but by grace they had been saved. He reminded them about who they were, being in the, in the body of Christ. And once you get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, you start to see a lot more application. Because of this transformation that has taken place, because they are now alive in Jesus Christ, there is a certain way that they are to live. Paul would talk about the subject of anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, he would say in verse number 26 and verse number 27, he said, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. And from those two verses this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the subject of anger. Paul gives us insight. He gives us wisdom inspired by the Holy Spirit about this topic of anger, how we are to view anger how we are to respond in the proper way. This has impact in every area of our, of our lives. Sometimes we can kind of think about anger when it comes to our cars. We may lose control when it comes to driving on the highway, and we can become angry. That ever happened to you? I saw something happen on Friday, leaving Starbucks in West Main. Car was in the left-hand lane. Somebody coming out of McDonald's, they crossed over two lanes, barely missed the car. And I said, something's going to happen. I know something's going to happen. And sure enough, something did happen. And that guy lost control. 
he lost his, co- his control. And certainly I would have been angry as well. But Paul helps us to see some things about anger. What we will learn from these two verses applies not just in our cars, but in our homes, in our offices, in our marriages, here. As we think about being a body, being the people of God. And so from these two verses, I want us to think about some things that Paul says. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. I want to begin by first beginning where Paul begins, where Paul said, be angry. Paul said, be angry. Some may be a little bit surprised for Paul to say, be angry, but that's what he says. Anger is an emotion that all of us have and that all of us are going to experience. He said, be angry. And sometimes people may be a little bit surprised about this. I was thinking about a sermon that I did a couple of weeks ago from the book of Nehemiah. We turn back to Nehemiah chapter 9. The title of that sermon was called God Is. And we we just kind of looked at some attributes of God. One of the the, the passages here in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 16 and 17 helps us to see that there are times where God is angry. And yet, as we talk about anger, we always need to be careful when we talk about God being angry and our Savior Jesus Christ. They were angry, always motiv- their anger was always motivated by love and for the right reasons. And in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 16, we find these uh, priests, these Levites rather, praying. And they said, but they, our fathers, acted arrogantly, talking about the Israelites from days from past. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. We learn some things about God and who he is. We also see that there are times where God is angry. And he was angry for the right reasons. He had cause to be angry because of the, the arrogant, stubborn hearts of his people. In Psalm chapter 11, I believe it is, in verse number 11, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 7, in verse number 11, we are reminded of who God is. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. And so we see that God is angry and he is angry at the wicked and his anger is justified. It is motivated by love due to a lack of individuals in their repentance or a lack of repentance in their stubborn hearts. And that really should strike fear in us. Just like the Father, we find our Savior Jesus. There were moments where he was angry. He didn't walk around in some mean disposition or mean spirit all throughout his ministry. But there were times where where he was angry. And his anger was justified. In Mark chapter 3 and verse number 1, look over in Mark chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. In Mark chapter 3 and verse number 1, here we're going to find a miracle that would take place. In Mark chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent and looking around at him with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. You see why Jesus was angry? Because of the hardness of their hearts. And by the way, Jesus never sinned. 
He never sinned. Jesus, he lived a perfect life, and yet we find there were times where he was angry because of their hardness of heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So I'm saying all this just to show you that there are times where where our Father is angry, where Jesus is angry, and there will be occasions where we will find ourselves angry as well. But I do think we need to think about some things as we think about anger. It is an emotion that we, that we are going to have. But I often think about, are we angry for the right reasons? Do we get angry over the right things and for the right reasons? Uh, we were watching uh, the NFL a couple of weeks ago and the big fight with the Steelers and the Browns. You guys see that? That's been in the news and things like that where one of the players has lost control. You can say that he was angry and that he went way too far. And sometimes we can become angry, but we need to ask ourselves, is it for the right reasons? Many times people can become angry for, for good things, and rightfully so. We should become angry. There are appropriate times for us. When it comes to our families and our marriages and our children, we should be angry when we think about how the world is trying to influence them, not for the better, but for the worse. There are occasions, as Paul said, be angry. There are times where we are going to find ourselves angry and for good reason. But brothers and sisters, let's be very careful with this idea of being angry that we don't go too far because that's exactly what Paul is going to say next. He said, be angry and yet do not sin. That's where the challenge is. I think at least for many people. Be angry and yet do not sin. What is Paul teaching us here? Number one, we have to maintain control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. This is where it gets challenging. A person can become angry, and if not careful, they can cross a line where it does become sin. He's saying that for a reason. Be angry and yet do not sin. Why would you even say that, Paul? Because there's a great danger of that happening where our emotions can become so big and so uncontrolled that we do cross a line. Paul is going to remind the saints in Ephesus about this, and he certainly is reminding us about this. In verse number 31 of the same context, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. We've got to be careful with this emotion, because if not careful, it can cause us to sin. Anger is interesting. One has said that anger is oftentimes the easiest option. That when a person is overcome with vulnerable emotions, a a quick burst or outburst of anger can give one or others the illusion of power and control. We need to control our emotions because if not careful, we can cross a line. And I've been thinking about that. Nikki and I were talking about that. You know, what does that line look like? Well, there's some examples in the Word of God. And while we may say, well, I'm not going to go that far, it, it, it begins somewhere. In Genesis chapter 4, you remember the story? In Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, let's just pick up the story in verse number 3. John would talk about Cain as well in First John. In, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 3, what we find here is that Cain crossed the line. In Genesis 4 and verse 3, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. For those who may not be familiar, Cain and Abel, they're brothers. All right? And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain, 
And for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why, why are you angry? You know, I think that's one of the best things we should do. Because everybody wants to know, how do we overcome this, right? We'll kind of talk about this, so hopefully I'll, I'll be able to give you some thoughts as well with that. But maybe one of the first things we need to ask ourselves, why am I angry? Cain, why are you angry? A- Abel didn't cause you to sac- make that sacrifice. That was on you. And why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Don't cross the line. And it's desires for you, but you must master it. We know the rest of the story. He crossed the line. And so what we find here is that this man, Cain, was filled with anger and it led to devastating consequences with death and murder. In Genesis chapter 27, we find another brother scenario, two brothers, Esau and and Jacob. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story here. In Genesis chapter 27 and verse number 41, I'm showing you these examples here. I'm sure there's more that we could look at, but we see that it is possible to cross a line. It is possible to sin and to do things that we may even think we would never even do. In Genesis 27 and verse 41, so Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, but then, then I will kill my brother Jacob. I'm going to get him. I'm going to kill him. And that was all motivated by anger. Now, when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to Haran to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days. If she only knew. Stay with him just for a couple of days. Everything's going to work out all right. Eh, don't think so. Stay with him for a few days. But listen to what she said next. Until your brother's fury subsides. That's how powerful anger really is. His mom knew, no, you got to get out of here. I mean, you got to leave right now. Otherwise, you won't be around. Until your brother's, verse 45, anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. You see, anger can cause individuals to cross a line. It caused Cain to cross a line. Esau with this, this fury that he had, he wanted to kill his brother. Thankfully, he didn't. Brothers and sisters, when we begin to harbor ill will, bitterness, and hatred, I think we can say that we're, we're crossing a line. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 that we can't have this type of heart. Now, we may not murder someone, but just because we don't do what Cain did or what Esau wanted to do doesn't mean that we're not crossing a line. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul reminded the saints in Ephesus who they were. That's what we've been talking about in the entire class. We walk in a manner that is worthy. We're walking in the manner of Christ. We're walking worthy. He talked about that in Ephesians chapter 4, that in verse number, I'm sorry, chapter 5 and verse 2, that you walk in love just as Christ also loved you, loved you. He would remind them, this is who you are, and this is now who you need to be. In Ephesians 4 and verse number 24, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. That old man would have gotten angry and sinned, but the new man may get angry. But he will not go down that path. He will have that control, that restraint to pull back before he crosses the line. Their motivation and our motivation, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that we want to be pleasing to God. 
is that we want to we do what God wants us to do, that we want to honor him. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in verse number 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. As Paul talked about all these different types of characteristics and actions of what to avoid and what to do. Do these things so you don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's something powerful to really think about, that our actions will have an impact, not just on ourselves, but upon others, and we can even grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Be angry, and yet do not sin. How do we do that? Well, if we just stay in the book, go back to chapter 1. If all we do is stay in Ephesians, go back to chapter 1. I think one of the ways we do this is by remembering. We remember, number one, didn't we sing some songs like that? Did you hear some of the words we were singing? Did did they stick with you? We've been forgiven. We have this forgiveness through Christ. Now we forgive as well. We were singing words like that. So I think it begins for us not to go past across this line by remembering what we already have been given, by remembering who we are. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved in him. We have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I think one of the best things to do is to remember what it is that Jesus has done for us, that he has forgiven us, that we have all these great spiritual blessings in him. We need to remember what we have. We need to remember who we are. I look at Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm reminded in verse number 19 who we are, that, we're, that we make up God's household. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. As we think about brothers and sisters in Christ and building one another up, Anger sometimes can get in the way of that, and we can cross the line even with how we interact with one another. Even with our hearts, we can cross that line. We need to remember that we are part of something special, that we are saints and we are a part of God's household. Remember what we have. Remember who we are. And then Paul, I think, makes it very clear, don't do it. Don't cross this line. Look back in Ephesians chapter 4. And verse number 31, and look at verse number 32. He tells us what to do. He reminds us how we need to, how we need to live. In Ephesians chapter 4, and verse number 31, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, you, you got to put all that away. It, you have to leave it. You have to leave it behind. Along with all malice. Now watch what he said in verse 32. Be kind. Be kind to one another. <laughs> I mean, that's who we're supposed to be. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Listen to what he says next. Forgiving each other. Sometimes our, our feelings, and rightfully so, can get hurt. And we can be wounded. And I'm not trying to downplay what individuals have gone through. And yet Jesus is reminding us that there's a proper way to respond. Tender-hearted. Kindness. We forgive each other. Listen to this. Here's our motivation. 
just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. If you were here last week, I looked at Matthew chapter 18. Remember Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus was answering the question about how often should we forgive? In Matthew chapter 18, when Peter was saying up to seven times in verse 21, then in Matthew 18 and verse 22, Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Then he talked about, he used this story. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had in repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Like he could actually do it. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion, released him, forgave him of his debt. Look at what God has done for you and for me. (laughs) We have a debt that we can never repay. What has he done? He's forgiven us. And what's interesting, I missed this last week. This man left. And there was someone who owed him a hundred denarii. He seized him and began to choke him, saying, you pay back what you owe. The man did the same thing that he did. He did the same thing. What should have been the response? I've received so much compassion and and mercy. I'm just going to relieve you of the debt. He didn't do that. And what's interesting about this, in verse 32, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? I think that's what Paul's saying there in, in Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Be kind, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as you have been forgiven. Now watch what he says here. And his Lord moved with anger. I think that's interesting. How does God look at us? After all this mercy he's given to us, all these wonderful blessings he's given to us, and redemption through his son, and then he sees us going too far with our anger, going too far and not forgiving one another, moved with anger. What a scary thought that is. Paul reminds us how we need to respond. In fact, the book of Proverbs gives us some practical things as well. Look over in Proverbs chapter 15. You, you want to avoid crossing that line. You, you want to avoid not going down the path of sin. There's some, some simple things that all of us can do. I say simple, but in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's not always simple. In Proverbs 15 and verse number 1, I'm going to give you a couple of uh, examples here. In Proverbs chapter 15, or beginning in chapter 15 and verse 1, Paul, or I'm sorry, the, the Bible says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. One of the ways that we can avoid crossing that line and sinning when we find ourselves angry is to pause, take a step back. We have a choice with how we will respond. Look at chapter 19 and verse number 11. Here's something that we can do, something that we can remember. In Proverbs 19 and verse number 11, I'm reading from the New American Translation. It says, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger. One of the things I need to think about and what you need to think about is how fast are we getting to this breaking point? 
there should be a, the, the slowness that everything shouldn't just cause us to immediately become angry or to have this outburst. He said in verse number, Proverbs 19 and verse number 11, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a trans, uh, transgression. His discretion, good sense, insight, his wisdom. And just because one can get angry doesn't mean that we always have to be angry over everything. Look over in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 29. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 29, very similar. And yet this is something very important and something we need to ask ourselves. Why are we angry and how fast are we getting to this point? The Proverbs remind us in verse number 29, he who is slow to anger has great understanding. If you want to be wise, it should take some time before you reach this point. We don't always just have to, you know, just immediately get to zero to 100 in in a couple of seconds. Because he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. The Proverbs are filled with with these uh, words of wisdom of how we can avoid crossing this line. Be angry and do not sin. I was telling Nikki, one of the things that I need to do, I need to eject the videotape in my mind. You guys ever have that before? Where you can just kind of rehearse an event that happened. Maybe it happened a few years ago, maybe a few months ago, maybe yesterday, and you can just focus on that one event. Like you can just see it, like one of those old VHS tapes, right? You can just hit that reverse button, and I, I just never hit fast forward. I just keep watching the same thing. Well, of course you're going to find yourself in a rage when you continue to do that. And so we need to get that out of our mind and, and be filled with the Spirit, be filled with God's Word and what He wants us to do and how He wants us to respond. We need to think about our Savior Jesus, and we need to think about his mercy and his love and what we have in him. These are things that we can do to make sure that we don't cross that line, and there is a line that we will cross if not careful. In verse number 29 of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Sometimes when couples get angry, they say things that are just horrific. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Be angry and yet do not sin. Nothing good will happen when we find ourselves consumed with anger. Nothing. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Listen to this. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. You want another point of application, something that you can do immediately? Here it is. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Now, wait, well, hold on a second now. I don't know about all that. Right? I, mean, you, I mean, what are you saying here? Don't let the sun go down in your anger. What are you saying? Well, it's not me. What's the Holy Spirit saying? What's he saying? Well, I think he's saying there needs to be a sense of urgency with what you do with this anger. That it needs to be addressed (laughs) quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Which means that we're going to have to have the awareness to to recognize where we are in a certain situation. This requires a courage on our part. You know what this means? It means we're going to have to talk. Confess. Address. Admit. Where we may be, we have to deal with these emotions. And people say, well, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Well, don't let the sun go down on your, on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
Because what happens is you're just going to kind of continue on and continue on, and things are going to get worse and worse and worse. When I was in Linda earlier this month talking about standing on the edge of eternity, there was a couple that I was talking to, and, and he's a police officer, and we were just kind of talking about you know, how they live and, you know, his life at times can, you know, he's, he's, he has a pretty risky job being a police officer. And one of the things he said to me was, every day before I leave my house, if there's something that needs to be resolved with my wife, we talk about it every day. And I said, why do you do that? Because I don't know if I want to be back when I get home. I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back home. Something could happen in the line of duty every day. So if there's an issue, well, every day they talk, they communicate. They have to address this. And I thought, man, that's a really, that's a really powerful thing. Couples, we have to talk. And we can't just say I'm fine when we're not fine. That's code language, right? When they say I'm fine, what time is the sun going down? We got a couple of hours. We may be in trouble here. Turn the TV off. I'm fine. Oh, no, you're not. All right. Don't let the sun go down. Not that I'm talking about. Okay, never mind. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Address it quickly. And I'm not saying this is easy because by no means is this easy. But in the, in the, as people of God, we have to be able to talk to one another. And that's challenging. But we have to get to the point, even as Christians, that we talk to one another. Holding something in for a year is not going to work. Something happens to us in 2019. When do we, when do we plan on talking about it? 2030? How is this going to work out for our benefit? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You know why this is so important? And you want some more application, here it is. Maybe you just need to talk. Maybe you need to have a long talk today. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. There could be a lot of tears. There could be a lot of anger that happens as a result of it. But maybe that's that first step in resolving as you can have this crucial conversation where things begin to be addressed. Here's why this is so important. Not because of what I'm saying, but because of what the Holy Spirit says. And do not give the devil an opportunity. You see that? This is why we have to be urgent and move with a sense of urgency. While we need to address, why we need to address these things before they get out of hand. Why we need to figure out, why am I angry like Cain? And what, where is this coming from? And, and why am I experiencing all of this? Paul is making it very clear when we don't deal with this a proper way, we're opening the door to the devil. He is cunning and he will always look for a way in. He's been successful with Cain, with Esau. Thankfully, Esau came to his senses, but with thousands or millions of other people as well. What about us? Have we given the devil an opportunity at this very moment? We get back in that car or our cars this afternoon. Are we going to go back to anger mode? When we get home, is the devil already waiting for us in our home? Is he just sitting on the couch? Hey, great to see you. Let's get back at it again. Been missing you. You know, that's what happens. We smile and we laugh and we go home and it's a grease fire. In Ephesians chapter 5, in verse number 18, Paul said, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be under that influence, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with anger and bitterness and wrath, but rather be filled with the Spirit. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, he reminds us just how serious this is. In verse number 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because we're in a battle. And the devil is looking for his opportunity. And he already may be in our homes, in our hearts, influencing us more than he should be. How do we get him out? Be filled with the Spirit. Listen to his words and his teaching. And allow what he says in his word to guide your responses, your actions, your heart. Stay ready with the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. No games here. The full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You may not be able to control that other person in your life, but you can control yourself. I can control myself as well. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 20, something else that we can do to avoid the devil having this opportunity. Look at verse number 20. Always give thanks for all things in the name of our Lord. Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. It's hard to be angry all the time. when We actually appreciate and are thankful for what God has done for us. A heart of thanksgiving. I think this is a powerful tactic to defeat our adversary. And know, brothers and sisters, know that the devil is real. Satan is the enemy, not your spouse. Not your brother or sister in Christ. And not God. He is not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not give the devil an opportunity. This is how serious this really is. Anger, it's a big problem. It's a big problem in the hearts of many. And look, we're all in this together. And so we're all under construction, and it means that we're going to have to work through some of these things. And the Holy Spirit shows us how. While we can have anger and for the right reasons, we've got to be careful with this. And there are expectations that God expects us to have. We must respond in the proper way. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. If there's something that we need to address, now is that time before it turns into something far worse. Let's not give the devil an opportunity. Let's trust and fully believe what our Savior has to say. The words of the Holy Spirit are true. Let's hold on to them and let's believe them. Talking about this idea of an opportunity, maybe there's someone here today who's outside of Jesus Christ. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, we want to encourage you to take this opportunity to become a Christian, to, become, to, to be born again, to have your sins washed away. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And now is your opportunity to become a child of God. You can do this by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Believing he rose from the grave on the first day of the week. If you're willing to to turn away from your sin. If you're willing to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Maybe there's someone who needs to take this opportunity now. Don't let the devil get in your way of this opportunity. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.